Hey, all you listeners, before we jump into the podcast, I'd like to take care of a couple legal issues and a little forbearance of what you're about to listen to. Some podcasts are somewhat explicit and touch on some harsh topics when it comes to the mental health field. Listener discretion is advised. Also, for the legal purposes and the protection of our show and guests, we'd like to also remind you that all these stories that are shared by everyone on air are alleged events that have occurred. Please keep that in mind. And again, we enjoy having you here. So welcome and enjoy the show. Hello, come in, please join me. This is an entry door for those seeking a little hope that'll spark a flame. This is Spread Hope Like Fire, a production of the Spread Hope Like Fire Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit here in California. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia, marriage and family therapist. Again, a friendly reminder, this podcast is a listener-supported podcast. What that means, it's supported by listeners like yourselves. The way in which we ask your support is by whichever way you found us, or if you could simply go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review, write a little note what you like, or ask a question. If you're new here, I'd like to remind you that you can catch up on past episodes in the archive section. Past guests include Michelle Patterson, where she comes on and talks about the tragedy uh, in Las Vegas. We have Jackie, who comes on and talks trichotillomania. We had David come on and talk about what it was like growing up in a single family uh, with gang violence. Uh, We've had the GOAT himself stop by, Dr. Drew Pinsky himself. So if you're interested, check out those past archived episodes. Head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and check out those archived episodes. There's a plethora of great entertainment and information that we have provided there for you. And as always, I'd like to remind our audience that this is a mental health podcast where we sit and discuss very challenging, struggling issues that we faced in life. So we're asking if you are in fact having difficulties with your mental health, we are encouraging you to reach out and seek the treatment that you are needing. And one of the ways we do encourage that, the easiest way, again, we're not sponsored by them, but if you head over to psychologytoday.com, you can enter your zip code. It will give you a list of your providers within your area. You can even do a broader search, a radius since you can do telehealth again that's psychologytoday.com enter your zip and it'll bring it down a list of providers that are within your area now to get kind of into the show this is more so of a a lost episode um i recorded this back in 2017 when i first started the podcast up and there were a couple episodes that weren't uh, loading for me as having technical difficulties and I finally was able to remedy the solution and so I I had to pick this one first to go out. This episode is beyond amazing to me. I have my friend Stephanie Barba on the show. 
um, we sat and we talked about single motherhood. We talked about how that struggle with having to be the only parent, the provider, um, and all of the other aspects that are associated with being that single parent. And I love what she's doing. I love how she's uh, being a nurturing, supportive parent. And again, this was in 2017. This lady, this woman, excuse me, this woman has grown immensely. I mean, I remember us kids going out, having a good time, karaoke. It it was uh, <laughs> sitting in, in Starbucks um, parking lot. No, no, no. Their balcony. And sitting there at one in the morning because Stephanie and I were weirdos and <laughs> we would go drink coffee and we would end up sitting uh, on the patio and I remember this one time this homeless man went nuts on us and we we had to skedaddle um but I hope you enjoy uh this episode it's a lost episode but I'm I'm so happy that we can bring this to you I'm so happy that um, I was able to restore this and, uh, Stephanie's going to actually come back on. We're going to do a reflective type of interview to see where she's at now. So Stephanie, if you're listening to this, I, I, I thank you. I, I thank you so much. And I know this is going to connect and help, help a lot of people who are struggling right now that have been in your situation or coming out of your situation, I am honored to call you my friend and let's just jump on into that episode. We were, uh, cause my jet, like everybody, like I always say, if you hear that chirping, it's, uh, Stephanie's, (laughs) um, fire alarm thing. (laughs) Um, but like, everybody knows, because I've said on the podcast, like, my dad was crazy mm-hmm. and on drugs. Oh, okay. And that was always good times. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but, like, we, we struggled a lot. We lived in a two-bedroom apartment, but we lived in hotels for a long time. Oh, okay. And we lived in a car. And I always go, to that, I always go back to that joke where I always, like, tell everybody, yeah, I told my mom that I wanted to, when I was younger, I wanted a, a tree house. Like, all the time. I was like, I want a treehouse. And she's like, no, we can't get a treehouse. I'm like, come on, I just want a treehouse. That's all I want for my birthday or Christmas. She's like, no, we can't get a treehouse. we got to keep li- living in the van. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> a van down by the river? Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's hard. I've I seen her struggle, and I've seen that. Like, we, we learn, like different things growing up like that Mm -hmm. like not to ask for anything yeah because she couldn't afford it yeah so and it does like make you feel bad like i feel bad when i have to say no to jonah like it makes me feel like a piece of crap that i can't give him everything he wants you know what i mean especially like when you know you, you do. You just want to give them everything they want in the world, but you can't always. And you have to think about the bigger picture. So spending a few bucks here and there on dumb stuff, you know, can really affect your finances. Yeah. Um, let's see. We're going to have to edit this. <laughs> I'm kidding. 
Um, <laughs> not good enough. Not good enough. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. You grew up, I think, differently than me. Mm-hmm. And, and Jonah. Like, mm-hmm. that's so that's weird. Like, yeah. I, I'm growing up like Jonah, and you didn't grow up like I did. You grew up with two parents. And, yeah. Um, so, like, I can relate to the little kid. Yeah. Even though he's, like, so much more, like, suave than I ever will be. <laughs> Kid's a stud. It's like, I'm just trying to train him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, just be something awesome, please. Uh, and then support me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess getting, like, back to where and why we're here and conversing and talking about... Uh, you know, the struggle of single, single motherhood and where, where you see yourself in that struggle and where you see your son within that struggle. Uh, would you say that the single, having the, the only single parent mother role in the relationship, um, with your son, do you think that affects him? And if so, how? I think so. He, Maybe I just, like, kind of take everything to heart. But, you know, when you don't have, as a boy, you don't have a male influence around. I think it does kind of, like, affect your personality a little bit. Like, he is just so surrounded by feminine energy. And he gets... He doesn't get, like, an opportunity to, like, display his masculine side. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't get a chance. I can't relate to being a crazy little boy. I'm not a crazy little boy. So I always expect him to be a certain way. But you did grow up with goats. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Close enough. Yeah, I was like a feral child. (laughs) Um, That's true. Like, when I grew up, I, I had brothers, but we were, our ages are so, like... Our ages are so spread out that I was kind of like the only child. So, like my like my dad wasn't around, so I didn't learn a lot of things that dads teach, like boys. Mm-hmm. And n- now looking back, it's a little creepy. Yeah. To think, like my my role models were uh, Cliff Huxtable. Oh no. My- <laughs> Like, what was he delivering? Where, where are my forceps <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, like, like uh, you find your role models, like, male role models, I think, through TV. At least I did. It was, like, Cliff Huxtable, uh, Dan Connor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like I, I consider myself a, a Connor, I guess. And I'm, uh, yeah, but you don't learn, like, I never learned how to shave. Yeah. I think I think he Jonah has a one one up on me because now we have like technology and stuff. Yeah, like you could YouTube it, but yeah. that's still weird. Well, I guess what it's cool that I at least like work in a barber shop. Like worst comes to worst, he'll be my guinea pig for straight edge shaves, and <laughs> <laughs> you know I have to invest in band aids. But um, yeah, I think yeah, it's hard because like as much as I try to do, I will never be. A man. I try to do it all, but I can't, you know. So there are certain things that are lacking, like, you know, he didn't know how to ride a bike. <laughs> you know, little things like that, because I work a lot. And sometimes when I get off of work, I don't feel like going to the park, you know, or yeah. doing things like that. But 
there are little things like that that I try to get, I'm trying to get better at, but you know, there are things that I forget about because I just get so caught up in my regular routine. Yeah, and you're always, like, always working. See, I'm totally <laughs> lost in that. Um, yeah, I just, I just call myself, like, a hair and makeup artist because I do, I mean, I work in the salon, but I also do, like, hair and makeup for the photographer and, or photographers and... Does he know how to ride a bike yet? Or? Uh, now, now because I have, like... A really awesome boyfriend that came into the picture who's a good dad he has gotten he started teaching Jonah how to ride a bike and he has two sons and he's like you know starting to he involves Jonah and stuff like that when they visit or we visit him but you know this is like very very recent does he, does <laughs> a recent he, development in our lives does he t did he take well to this yeah, I, I had to, like, kind of... Bribe him? Not bribe him, but I had to, like, talk about it first to him and see how he felt until we actually introduced him. And what helped, too, is that he brought his boys over. So it was just kind of like, okay, let's all meet each other and just go for it. But I did have to talk to him for a while. Like, how do you feel that if I have... a I like this boy. Okay, well, how do you feel if I like, have a Mom, boyfriend? This boy, yeah, <laughs> Bill Cosby <laughs> <laughs> or guy, whatever. Oh. But um, yeah, I felt like I had to like just talk to him about it and just see. I wanted to keep his feelings in consideration. See, you see, most most parents don't do what you do as in where you like you said where you sat Joan down, you talked to him about it, you prepared him. Uh, like, my dad didn't... Uh, I, I speak a lot about my dad, but um, what I'm saying is my dad didn't do that. And so it was this, uh, like, just, boom, surprise. And the the thought process that I, I remember at the time was confusion, uh not understanding um and, and me and my my brother um that's uh next in line above me he's five years older and it was this consistent um struggle of attention or um being in the way being melt ma being made felt to be like in the way of certain things certain aspects of that relationship and the trauma that that was put upon us within that relationship it was uh it was fucking hard it's it was uh one of the most traumatic pieces of my childhood was uh my father's relationships with women and how he treated them and how he role modeled women for me was very very harsh and uh, it it by God's grace, man, eh, I was able to take that and and be so fucking terrified of the behaviors to tell myself I have to go the other way. And so, uh, fuck, man, you're doing amazing when you're like you're doing things that I don't hear parents doing, and that's preparing them for for change because you're giving them that solid foundation. Well, Push I think feeling. like it's such a you know. Um... 
previous relationship I had was a very abusive one and it was like kind of traumatizing for like a traumatizing situation for him and I both and so it took me a long time to date and then when I started to I felt like I was kind of going like falling into the same trap of like a certain type of person you know what I mean and I had to stop doing that and then you know with the relationship I'm in now it was very all of a sudden and very different than what I'm used to and I just wanted you know the last thing I want is to like make my son feel like he is second you know what I mean yeah and most people don't do that these days it's always I know so many people not trying to bash anybody or anything but it's like so many people that just date one right after the other one right after the other and it's they introduce him to the kid and this relationship's so bad and the kids get so screwed up. Yeah, and it's crazy because they'll just, like, move them into their house right away and just, like, turn everybody's lives upside down. And then it doesn't work out. And then, you know. Whoops, see you later. Yeah. <laughs> like, I couldn't imagine, like, being abandoned by multiple people. You know what I mean? I guess I didn't give it that type of thought. But, yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct when it comes down to, like, introducing a new father figure or any figure that kid's going to get attached to that, that, that person. And what's, what's going to happen is the kid's going to kind of start to realize that relationships don't work out. Relationships don't last. And then they, they get that, that theme. Um, I know for me, like that theme was always inconsistency. That was how it worked for me. There was just always inconsistency. Then you grow up into this adult and it's like, you you struggle with people who want to be in your life because you don't trust them so like and that's rooted within our childhood i think i'm just like sensitive about certain things and i just don't want him to look back on me and just be like well she did this i mean i know he's going to to a certain extent you know i'm not i'm definitely not perfect but i don't want him to be like oh she just cared more about other stuff and not do you think he would say that about, like, your work? Um, a little bit, but I don't... I think he's too young to know that I have I have to work. It's not... I mean, as much as I love my job, it's fun, but it's still work, you know? And yeah. I have to... I don't get financial help from the other parent. I don't get child support. I don't get anything. So I have to work twice as hard, you know, to make ends meet. I understand that. That, yeah. that was a lot of the same struggles that, like, we went through, you know, having to live in... Like, coming from hotels... Not hotels, because that's, like, really ritzy. Yeah. Yeah. We lived in motels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um... Coming from that, like, perspective of living and seeing, like people at their lowest and us being at our very lowest yeah to uh, like living in a car or living with my sister at one point yeah and i have no idea where i was going with this thought (laughs) but and that's what i admire about a lot of the parents where they they finally have had enough and they they pull themselves up with their own two bootstraps and they're showing their kid these these valuable lessons that no no one's going to be there for you you have to be able to take care of yourself and that's that's one of the highest things that uh, on the list of tools that I, I give out would be like instill that in your kids that 
they have to depend on themselves. They have to be self-sufficient. They have to be able to um, help themselves when no one else wants to help you. Stand up on your own two feet and move forward. Get through it. And that, that it's beautiful what you've done with Jonah. Yeah, but, and that's like a really hard realization to come to, especially like when you, you know, when you have a kid and you're with somebody and you you do you don't go into a relationship thinking that it's gonna all go down the drain or that person is going to be a liar or deceiving. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, it's I feel like my life got kind of like turned upside. Like literally from the moment I found out I was pregnant, life just got turned upside down. And like I, my car broke down and then I couldn't get to work. I couldn't pay my booth rent at work. And then uh, the place where I was renting a room from, they sold the house. So... Our pet's heads are falling off. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And then, you know, I uh, decided to, we decided to move my son's dad and I to, um, like, the L.A. area. Oh, I remember that. With um, his mom. And then something happened, and they had other relatives living with them. And, uh, you know, something happened, and it just didn't work out. So I came back, and he stayed in L.A. And I was just, like, pregnant and by myself. And... I, I thought he was going to come through and help support, you know, support me. And I was just by myself a lot. And then, um, when Jonah was seven months old, or no, I think he was like five months old. Um, yeah, I found myself homeless and no job, nothing, no car. And I had like WIC coupons and (laughs) that was, that was it. Like we were just like couch surfing and riding the bus everywhere and I had to get a job and try to find a house and it took you know it took months but I did it and um you know we and then I got a place and then of course you know my son's dad's like oh I'll come I'll come live with you but he didn't have a job so (laughs) like I was kind of stuck stuck supporting a whole family and we lived in this studio that was like 90 square feet like it was teeny tiny like we had a pull-out couch and jonah's um like playpen and we could fit a dresser in this little kitchen and that's it like the bathroom and there was maybe like five feet from the edge of the couch to the door and if we put out the bed we couldn't even open the door like it was like wall to wall bed and three of us lived in there for a long time and Dang. yeah like it sucked it was the worst and and um so this is like the ritz to you yeah like having this like two bedroom apartment this is like i had to i worked so freaking hard for this i don't think people realize that i was like at the salon for a long time like for no days off. I worked like four jobs at one time. Like I worked at Fantastic Sam's. I worked for as a personal assistant for a lady. I was doing hair and makeup on the side. I was helping one of my clients out, like cleaning her house. She was disabled. And I was trying to do all these things just to like get by. You know what I mean? Like trying to get a car and play catch up. And then, uh, you know, when you're poor, you can't afford to pay for certain things. And I had this car. I was riding dirty and the pulled me over took (laughs) dumped me and my kid off on the side of the road and took the freaking car and then it's like it's like one thing after another after another but 
I had to work really hard to just dig my way out of a hole that it was like years, you know what I mean? So moving into the place I'm at now, it was like, I always feel like, man, I can't believe I have this and I can't believe I did it by myself, you know, but yeah, cause I did it that little tiny place. We didn't even have a bed. And when I moved here, I had no furniture and I had to like pay for everything, you know? We're sitting on crates right now. <laughs> hey, <Nope>. bales. <laughs> Milk crates. No, but I had to like work so hard for every dumb little thing, you know? And, uh, but you appreciate it more. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Most people get stuff happening to them. So see, look, this is, this is an interesting concept. Like I'm relating more to Jonah. You're relating more to my mom. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. So it's like, I'm getting my mom's perspective of how much she worked her butt off to get to where she was and support us and trying to think of when we finally were able to start getting stuff and i was like what, what did you steal this no, i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> um no i know she didn't steal it <laughs> but yeah like we're, i was i was picked on too a lot because we didn't have i didn't have the nicest shoes or the coolest clothes and yeah. i was like i never i really never cared yeah i still don't yeah um but like the mental stress on just having, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think I, I've, cause I haven't been, well, I've been pretty down as a kid, but like as an adult, I've been pretty good, but what, what a kind of mental stress does that, like, what does that do to you? I just felt like for a long time, like I was kind of just a body and not really myself. You know what I mean? Like, my sole purpose was to take care of Jonah and to work, and I just need to just achieve certain goals. You know what I mean? And yeah. it does, it's hard because, like, you don't, you know, when you don't have, like, any sense of, like, self-care or anybody to at least tell you that they love you or whatever, it does, like, take a toll. Like, it's not you know, the happiest thing, you're just, like, existing because you have to, by obligation, you know, and that was kind of hard, too, and, and then, you know, as mothers, we get criticized a lot, so when you're working as hard as you can, and you're tired, and you're just at your wits end, and then you have, like, somebody stupid just, like, oh, you should be doing this, this, and this, it's, like, it makes you feel like the worst person in the world, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> Not a mother. <laughs> um, that's true, though. Like, people criticize so much about, like, the dumbest things. Like, you said about, like, WIC. You had WIC coupons. Yeah. Like, I remember people, because uh, we worked at Target a yeah, long time. Yeah. And I remember when WIC came through, when we finally started accepting it. I don't know if you were there, but people started talking, like, a bunch of smack about it. And was like, well... My mom was there. We had food stamps and stuff. Like, yeah. calm down. You don't know these people's situation. Yeah. Like, you know what? The, um, you know, there are those people that, that abuse the system, but the system really helped me. It helped me get out of an abusive situation where I can be at work. It helped me feed my kid and provided health care and uh, daycare so I could work my ass off. To have the things I have now. You know what I mean? But, um, 
I'm really grateful that I did have that because nobody else was going to give it to me. You know, I don't have, I didn't have somebody who's like, here, let me write you a check so you could get some groceries or, yeah. Please, you know. Please, sir, may I have another <laughs> yeah. one? <laughs> you know, but it did, it did help me. And you know what? Like, I know people get mad about the whole WIC thing, you know, at the grocery store because they have those stupid coupons. Yeah. And, you know, like the... The items you could get are very specific. You could get a loaf of bread, but it has to be like 16 ounces of wheat bread and only certain brands. So sometimes you mess up and and you have to do like five different transactions. So like I know when I go to the grocery store and I'm behind somebody with WIC, I try to be super patient because I've been there and it's embarrassing and you get like this feeling of anxiousness when you have all these coupons and this line that's building up. You know, of people yeah. staring at you like, why is this taking so long? It's like, sorry, I'm poor. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> please forgive me. Yeah, please forgive me. I don't know what I would do if I had a kid. and That would be stressful just on its own, knowing that I have a kid. I'm not ready to have one. I was just like, I was, I was definitely shocked. I cried. So in the in the doctor's office they told you know they told me I was pregnant and my son's dad was in the waiting room and and the, <laughs> and she was yeah no he yeah he like I was by myself in the room and and I was crying and they they're like do you want me to call him yeah yeah go ahead and call him and he's like oh you're pregnant well how do you know I could hear you crying from the waiting room <laughs> I was just so upset and I was just like oh I don't know what I'm gonna do but uh, I considered my options but at the time it didn't seem right so I decided to you know keep the pregnancy going and uh yeah it was really really difficult like everything about it was difficult I was you know my mom is very very religious so the fact that I'm 22 years old not married with this significantly older guy who's 14 years older than me who has no job who just knocked me up you know <laughs> like it's not the ideal situation you know yeah. I was like sick for days just the thought of telling them and and then all the crap that kind of preceded that it was just not easy it was like so stressful Stephanie and me grew up in the same religion I still will not mention which word religion yeah i just don't want to yeah i don't believe um, i don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers if you are listening but um most of us most people that know me and know her know what religion and everything and i mean we, we were always taught that you don't do this you don't do that you especially don't have sex out of marriage. yeah <laughs> you heathen <laughs> So, what was it like telling your mom? I, uh, I just had to say it. I just, like, I'm not one of those people that can just, like, sit down and be like, I have to talk to you about this super serious subject. Didn't I, you make tacos for her? No, they barbecue. I asked if we can come over for a barbecue, and then my dad made salsa that was really hot, and he goes, oh, you should try this. I love spicy food, so he's like, we should try some of the salsa it's really good. I said, oh, I can't eat that. It um, gives me acid reflux. I'm like, why do you have acid reflux? Well, because I'm going to have a baby. And I just said it at the dinner table. Like, my cousin was there. My little sisters were there. I just had to, like, blurt it out because I was just so, like, sick with anxiety 
about telling You're throwing up on the table. Yeah, like, I re- yeah, like, for days before, I was, like, physically sick. I'd never been... I'm, I'm an anxious person, but that level of anxiety was, like, a whole other... <laughs> Whole other demon. <laughs> I would be scared of your dad more than your mom. No, my mom's scarier. I think my dad is because he's not religious. Is like, I, I don't. Maybe know. my maybe he, my son's dad should have been more scared of my dad. That's true. I, I met Stephanie's dad one time when we were watching Dawn of the Dead at like two in the morning out in her backyard, and he comes out in his robe, <laughs> and he was pretty pissed off that we're, I was there. <laughs> But uh, if you need any plumbing work, <laughs> he's the man to call. We'll plug him at the end of the, the podcast. Yeah. But, yeah, he's like so old school that he's so awesome. Actually, yeah, I don't even know why I'd be scared of the guy. He uh, Maybe because his hands are the size of a freaking gorilla. That's true. <laughs> but I hired him to... Uh, this is a so off the topic, but I hired him to snake their, our line that one time. And he smoked a whole pack of cigarettes while, smoke, while snaking the line. And, like, he didn't, like... You know how people smoke and they pull a cigarette out and they take, oh, a, yeah. they take no, a drag? Oh, yeah. No, he's like a chimney. He just left it there hanging and was talking to me and snaking the line and throwing the cigarettes down the line. And I was like, who did I, who did I hire? He's pretty awesome, but yeah, no, no, I for, yeah, I forgot your dad isn't part of the church, so yeah, um, we're not Scientologists. Though. <laughs> I'd have way more money. <laughs> but yeah, but what was your mom's reaction? She was like, "Are you serious?" Like, she was just like, "Ah, oh, come on." But I feel like the stronger reaction didn't come until like my life really, really went down. The dream, like, where she was, like, my mom is, like, one of those people, she, like, she doesn't, like, really yell. She's, like, psychological warfare. Like, she will just be, like, calm, but she will just, like, rip you to shreds. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I I remember um, just, I was already, like, a few months pregnant, and then just all of a sudden, just, like, she ripped me a new one, basically, and she was, like, where I remember we were driving and she like hit the the middle dash like she was like so so passionately upset with me and I feel like our relationship didn't really start kind of healing from that until very very recently cuz I have been able to like get myself out of certain situations but it was just like you already know better you know like it's just like the ultimate disappointment that's the worst thing is disappointing your parents, I guess, or yeah. parent. I I mean, I can, now looking back, like, I can relate. Like, if, you know, you have this child and you try to, you do everything you can for them. You, like, sacrifice yourself so much. And then when they make, like, these really life-affecting decisions and it's not going well, you know, like, you're like, oh, like, what the hell? What What is wrong with you? You have all this... You're going to end up looking at a van down by the river. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I can I can understand a little bit now, but um, that would be really difficult to just, like, watch your child just ruin their life a little. Not ruin your life, but just not make good decisions. Was she happy when Jonah was born? Yeah, you know what's funny is that uh, when I, when, um, 
we're at the doctor's office. They told me I was pregnant. His dad goes, um, can it be a boy? He said, yep. And then I just knew that if I had a boy, it would make things a little bit easier. My parents have four girls. They've always wanted a boy. So I just knew that if it was a boy, it would make things a tiny bit easier to deal with. They love Jonah, you know, and, um, you know, they're good grandparents. They, you know, they do things with him and they love him more than you. <laughs> oh, of course. He's way cuter than me. <laughs> you guys look the same. What are you talking about? But he's way more behaved. <laughs> oh, sure. Well, growing up with goats, it's going to happen. I just always say I'm in my terrible 20s. <laughs> it's never going away. A brat forever. So, working, trying to take care of a kid on your own, no support. Do you ever just feel like giving up? Oh, yeah, there, were, you, uh, there was, like, so many times where I was just, like, I, I just felt like I couldn't do enough, and I was just, like, what if, you know, am I even good enough to be his parent? Like, you know what I mean? Like, if I wasn't here, would he would probably, yeah, would he be better off, you know, and it's, it's hard to... You know, it's hard, but I don't know. You kind of have to, I don't want to say talk yourself out of it, but just find those like little glimmer, glimmers of hope to just kind of like hold on to because it is hard. You're sacrificing yourself. You're tired. I can't stress the tired thing enough. <laughs> you know, I literally read on caffeine, but, um, yeah, there was a long time, and especially when I was pregnant and just, like, I felt very alone. My parents were very upset with me. My son's dad wasn't around. Uh, I was just, I gave up my job and I gave up all these things, and I just was existing but not doing anything, you know? And I was just like, okay, well... What's going to happen? You know, we'll see what happens after he's born or whatever. It, it was weird. Like, I never really thought long term because I didn't feel like I was going to be around for it. You know what I mean? It was, you know, not to, like, make light of it, but that's how that's how I felt. Well, that's that's what we do. Yeah. That's our, that's our coping mechanism. At least I know me and you do that a lot is make a... Uh make light of things um yeah i can't help it sometimes it's just like yeah you just you gotta find like a a way to deal with like these really shitty things with humor yeah it's not the healthiest but you just do it you know how did your anxiety play into all that uh i still i like i feel like that's always gonna be like a struggle and you know what? I never really thought of myself as an anxious person until recently when people started coming out about and being more verbal about their anxiety. I remember when I was a kid, I would always get in trouble for being a brat or whatever. But now that I look back, I'm like, oh, I was just anxious. And when you're anxious, you're short with people. You're not, you know, you're not pleasant, you know. 
you lash out a lot because you're just scared. Yeah, and that's and that's how I was, and I still get like that. You know, I. And you know the caffeine thing doesn't make it any easier. Yeah, I... caffeine is a a big <laughs> trigger for it. Yeah, it's not a trigger, but it's a sim. It intensifies your symptoms. Yeah, but. You gotta, you gotta live somehow. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's like either you're tired, or you hate your life. You know, like either or one. Can't win. Yeah. But uh, that was Jonah. <laughs> it's okay. I can edit all this. <laughs> so you mentioned like people coming out as being anxious. So was it something you were ashamed of? Yeah, like, I just felt weird, you know, you kind of joke, like, oh, I'm not a people person, or, you know, I'm antisocial, but it really is this, like, you're just, like, overthinking everything, and, like, for myself, I always feel like I'm constantly judged, and so, like, it's easier to keep myself out of certain situations than to, like, face it, you know? That's true, because... Like I said on one of the other podcasts, my friend, this is why I started this podcast. Mm-hmm. He asked, you know, your your symptoms must have intensified over the whole, uh, I can wait. <laughs> that toilet flushing is my son. Um, yeah. I'll wait. Hold on. Let me just stop it. Hey guys, just jumping in here because the audio is a little messed up. So as I'm editing, I'm realizing we stopped the interview because Jonah, as you can can hear, keeps coming in and out of his room. <laughs> and it, I, I'm leaving it in because I, I, it, I, the kid is just such a charming, charming guy that I, I just, I think it's a nice gift to Stephanie for her to just share this podcast interview with Jonah so that later on um, when he's a little bit older she can listen to it with him and um, I don't know but let's jump back into the um, the interview I forgot to hit record so I just hit record and we're gonna take off from wherever we take off I love this so I, I hope you guys are enjoying this as well as I am I think growing up the way I did. Yeah. Is you didn't know where your next meal was coming from. You didn't know where you're going to be staying the next yeah, day. So yeah. that's where mine comes from. But like, do you think you, how does that play into being a parent? It's hard. It's hard because like, I'm not always as patient as I should be. And sometimes I just have to tell him like, Okay, you watch cartoons. I'm going to go chill out in my room for a few. Because I need to decompress because I'm like, I'm going to go have like a mini breakdown in my room. Just don't answer the door. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> I'll call you when my eyes have cleared from crying over dumb stuff, you know. But. It's not dumb. I, but it's not dumb. But like sometimes just things get like so overwhelming. And. And, like, for me, like, the dumbest little things can really trigger just, like, this awful, awful feeling. And for me, I think my anxiety got worse because, you know, I went through certain things with Jonah and my last relationship. I, um, I, if I'm not in control of something, I just, like, freak out, you know. 
I just don't like that that feeling that like my life is gonna fall apart again because yeah because it does it like if I am slow at work and then like something somebody cancels last minute and then it's just like I am just like already thinking like 10 years ahead of everything I'm gonna die and be dead yeah (laughs) I don't have any clients (laughs) yeah I'm like and everything always works out but it's just like that anxiety of like if I don't if I don't get things done nobody else is gonna get it done for me and my life is gonna fall apart again and that's what anxiety does to people it could be the simplest thing. Mine is like, like somebody could just say a couple words and I'm triggered. And I'm just like, my whole day's ruined. Um, yeah, it's Like, so I gotta pop some pills and I gotta get better. Yeah. But, you know. Um, and it's hard because, like, I, you know, I had insurance for a little bit and I did try to seek help and just... Because there was a while where I just, I just didn't think I was going to make it. Like, I just didn't think I was gonna live. <laughs> like, I just was, like, feeling so awful about myself and and my parenting and just overwhelmed with everything. And I was like, well, I have to try to... He... My son has nobody else. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I have... I am that person. So, I have to try to get help. And then I put on medication and it just made it so much worse. And it was a medication I was on previously, like, when I was, like, 18. And I don't know if things, if your body changes through time, but... Yeah, it does. It, like, what made me feel better before just had, like, the opposite effect where I would go to work and I felt like my heart was going to, like, pound out of my chest. And I just, like, was like, okay, I got to get these clients done. I need to go home because... I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm you dying know? one way or another. Yeah, exactly. It's just so, it just magnified that anxiety. And I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't do this anymore. But it's just, it's, it's hard because like you try to get help or when you do try to get help, then it's just like a never ending like cycle of trying to figure out that medication cocktail that works for you yeah Yeah. i've gone through that but they just recently i just had to do that to where they had to readjust my meds because i was depressed and crazy for two months yeah and like i'm going through this whole not religious but like spiritual awakening type thing yeah I'm like, okay, well, I guess I was being taught a lesson, or... I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how things work. We we grew up in a really weird <laughs> fundamental foundation of religion, and... Yeah, that does kind of screw with your mind a lot, the religious thing, because not only do you have, like, this, this sense of you're doing something wrong all the time, but also, like, you're being punished yeah. for it. Like, I... I always feel like if I do something like slightly wrong and then like a couple of days later something crappy happens, then it's like, well, it's because I did, I cut this person off on the road or it's because I flipped this lady off and God's punishing. And it's this weird like mentality that I can't. It's hard to break. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting, I'm getting better, you know, but I am, you know, getting to be, (laughs) I'm almost 30 years old and. It's still something that I struggle with, just like that guilt. Religious guilt. <laughs> That's true. Because uh, you always think, 
at least I thought for the longest time after being, after leaving the church, like, oh, well, we're all going, not to hell because we didn't believe in hell, mm-hmm. but we're, we're all going to be destroyed. We're going to go to that big old fiery pit and it's going <laughs> to, I was like, okay, well, screw it. Yeah. I'm going to do what I want to do. YOLO. Yeah, and then I became atheist for a while because I was like, well, I don't want to believe in this because... Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of went through that too, like where it was like, well, oh, I would claim to be agnostic. And then when you grow up with family members that are not only religious, and it's like, well, that means you worship the devil. And then it's like, <laughs> and it doesn't help when you're like, so goth, I'm dead. And like, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, do I worship the devil? You know. Stephanie used to drive around in, in the murder mobile. <laughs> she used to have, um, when she went to uh, cosmetology school, she had these, uh, what, mannequin heads? Yeah, a doll head. And I remember one time my mom came home, there was this crazy lady driving around town, she cut me off, and she had these mannequin heads, and I'm all, my friend. <laughs> and it was very distinct, because I had it, like, facing out of the yeah. the back window. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, religion, I mean, growing up in a religious background, being poor, like there's so much as a kid that plays into mental health and how you get so screwed up, I guess, and you become an adult that's screwed up. And it's cool that you're, you're taking Jonah's feelings into consideration. I think you're you're like a really awesome parent because like, most parents aren't. I know so many people that don't give a crap about what their kids think. They're going to date who they want. They don't... They yell at them all the time. They don't... Like, you take them to Disneyland. My dad <laughs> my dad would tell me, oh, we're going to Disneyland. Oh, we can't. It's raining over there. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, every time we were going to go to Disneyland, no. it's raining over there. Yeah. But, like, you're such an awesome parent. And, like... I just want him... Like, I just was not a happy kid. I was just not a happy kid. And... It really trickled into adult life, you know, where yeah. I'm trying to, you know, I I'm I am feeling better about life, but I just wasn't a happy kid and I you know how those people are always like, Oh, I wish I could be a kid again. Hell no, I don't wanna be a kid again. That sucked, you know? Yeah. And I just don't want him to think like that. I just want him to be like, I had the best time and you know, my mom did what she could and I just like I'm really so adamant about Trying to make the best trying life to make, for him. Yeah, exactly. You know, we the the first few years of his life were not ideal. Like, you well, know, good thing he's not going to remember them. Yeah, I hope so. I hope not. There's certain things like he'll mention. I'm like, crap. What do you remember that? That was a dream, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's all going to disappear. I need one of those Men in Black things. Yeah. yeah like this. But yeah, I mean, as long I think as long as you try your hardest to be a parent, that's all you can really do. Yeah. But yeah, wrapping it up, um, I think you're a really good mom. And I think that mental health plays a big role into people's life being a single parent. It's hard. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I know the opposite end of it is growing up with a single parent, but I don't know the single parent stresses. And I think you kind of, I mean, you kind of shared, well, you shared a lot about what it's like being a single parent and it's not easy. It's not, it's not easy, but I think what, one thing that, like, I keep saying recent developments because it is very recent, like, self-care is, like, a huge thing. 
Like just trying to do like little things for yourself here and there will make you feel like so much better about life where you just don't feel like you're living. Yeah, existing or living because you're obligated to. You know what I mean? Because that is a bad feeling. But doing little things like I love getting pedicures. So I'm like, if I can get a pedicure or or just like get off of work early and go walk around Target by myself and get Starbucks is like the best thing ever. You know? How funny, Target of yeah, all places. Yeah, of all places. <laughs> yeah, didn't, <laughs> didn't get enough of it while I worked there. So got to keep going. If uh, people want to get a hold of you, Stephanie, you know, how, how do they reach out? What are your, your Instagram and stuff like that? Uh, my personal Instagram is stephinfection13. That's the best. <laughs> That's the best Instagram name I've ever heard of. And I always think like, oh, I should I should be more adult. And no, 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 I am no, not no. like a classy, <laughs> refined woman like at all. I am like for forever immature but and and then my hair instagram is beauty in the beehive so that's pretty awesome too (laughs) so if you uh and then you're at hepcat and slow yeah yeah so we're we're gonna be merging with the ritual so it'll just be under the ritual coming up soon and if they want to book an appointment with you uh just contact me on my instagram okay can they call the shop yeah yeah okay call the shop uh i'll get the number I, I'm thoroughly impressed. I, man, just to listen to this episode by itself in its entirety and to see where Stephanie has gone with her life, how she's made sacrifices, how she's busted her ass, how she's literally out there doing and creating the things that she wants to do. I mean, I, I, I admire her. I look at her Instagram and I see the makeup and hair that she does and it just blows my mind to see the work that she's doing and the caliber of work that she's she's freaking doing. She's doing these uh, models uh, hair and makeup and and if you want to be able to see this phenomenal work that she's doing and where she's come uh check out her instagram instagram beauty and the beehive uh b e e h i v e is uh beehive so beauty and the beehive and um leave a little comment tell them uh you found her through spread hope like fire also again this <laughs> this is a very old episode this is uh five years old so she is not at that uh, that salon anymore, and so um, Stephanie now is at Vibe Hair Lounge. Um, you can also visit them on Instagram. It's vibe.hair.lounge, and then you can book Stephanie there. I highly recommend booking her. Um, she's she's phenomenal. She's gonna do my my. Uh, fiance's hair for our wedding um i I just love her um and again you're supporting a a phenomenal woman a woman who actually went from nothing and and built herself up to what she is today she is self-made she is in my book one of the most genuine people i will meet 
um, because she's able to allow me to be me. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm able to allow her to be her. We have that wiggle room where, you know, sometimes we piss each other off and sometimes, you know, where most of the time it's just the best time. Like we're just laughing and we, as you can see in the interview, we just have a good time. We talk about the most, um, nonsense that comes to our mind. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, having these friends come on and Stephanie, your, your, your story is just so powerful to the women out there that, that are feeling like Stephanie did absolutely worthless, no hope in the world. Take Stephanie's example to know that Anybody can do it. You just have to be able to put that one foot in front of the other. And it's it's not easy. I'm, I'm, I'm straight up with you guys. Life is hard. You guys know what trauma is like. You know what the difficulties of life are. And that's why we get here on this podcast. That's why we get together. We talk about these things. We encourage one another. We psychoeducate you. Um, we encourage you to get that treatment. So... If, in fact, you are, again, um, needing treatment or seeking services, we are not sponsored. But, again, I've got to advocate for you to get that help. Uh, head over to psychologytoday.com. You type in your zip and, boom, you have a list of providers. Uh, coming up on the podcast, I'm actually going to be doing... Um, a couple things on uh, the podcast. So the first one is we have another Lost episode um, with my friend Jose. He's going to come on. He's a teacher uh, here in the community. He's got he's very insightful. Uh, I love talking to this man. He's brilliant, a brilliant man. Um, he's going to be coming on the show. We are going to have Adriana Lopez do a live uh, podcast. She's uh, uh, one of a my good friends uh she is an author i cannot believe this she came to my book signing and uh that meant the world to me and for her to just go out there and she's killing it she's accomplishing her goals too and it's just it's cool to have all these these uh thriving uh, women that are my friends that are able to also encourage me to <laughs> you know, step my game up and keep going. It's amazing. I love seeing all my friends thriving. Um, and so we've got a lot coming out. We're going to be doing a couple other pieces. I, I'm actually going to delve into, uh, Shia LaBeouf. Um, as you guys know, I had a very, um, I didn't like the guy. He rubbed me the wrong way. There was some things that, uh, allegations that were made and uh, I'm gonna step back and I want to do a therapeutic process with you guys I want you guys to see where I'm coming from how my mind has shifted to this guy and really getting into the aspects of why and and how he ended up at this point in his life with all of these these past traumas and the wreckage of his past. I wanna, um, I wanna delve into that. So look forward to um, that coming out. We're gonna do a deep dive. I'm gonna get really uh, psychological. We're gonna uh, do an analysis on the whole thing. And uh, so stay tuned for that. 
Um, again, if you enjoyed this show, please head over to pod, uh, podcast. Please head over to Apple Podcasts. Um, leave a five-star review and also write a review um, in the review section. It really helps the algorithm. Again, this is a listener-supported podcast. That's where you guys come in and you help support us if you want us to be able to keep making these things. Um, again, we are a 501c3 nonprofit here in California. So we are we're still starting up. It's uh, man, it's a process, but we're working towards getting that agency started uh, sometime next year, mid next year, and uh, we will be able to start offering those services to our community. And it's it's a wonderful thing. I cannot believe where this damn thing went. Um, like I said, this is uh, I'm reminiscing now, sitting with Stephanie in her apartment. Uh, in 2017 when I started the podcast and look what it's become um, and it's it's thanks to you guys um, like like I've said a couple times as being human human uh, buying into that human reality of human existence that we are human uh, we all suffer and through our suffering or sometimes I say through our bleeding we are one AFI. So, you know, um, if you get the reference you do, I'm an old punk rocker. And through our bleeding, we are one. And I, I hope Stephanie's message has helped one of you guys out there. Uh, we, we continuously put, pour our love into producing these things. I, I like to thank my board of directors for standing behind me and uh, supporting me throughout all the ups and downs that we've gone through in this short um, short time. We're coming up on the one-year anniversary of us being a nonprofit. Um, October will be our first year anniversary, and uh, we, we've scaled up quite a bit. We've gotten a great amount of support. We've uh, we're expanding the podcast. We're expanding into offering services. It's a wild ride. It's a wild ride. And Stephanie and, and I guess for myself are proof that you can take two punk rock kids that don't give a shit about anything or anyone. And you give them a purpose and you, you find that uh, they finally found that, um, that power to believe in themselves. It's crazy what we can do. And uh, I'm not bragging. I, I simply, uh, I feel I, like you guys hear, heard, if you haven't heard the imposter syndrome episode, go listen to that. Where you, you gain, uh, you scale up in life, but you don't feel worthy enough. So go listen to that episode. It's, it's great, insightful stuff. And... Um, if you're looking to connect with us outside of the podcast, please, you know, head over to Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, you can interact with me directly over at Twitter. My Twitter is at Anthony Garcia. No, 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 no. I always say that. I always say that. My at is at Anthony G M F T. Anthony G M F T. So you can uh, tweet me over there. We can start talking mental health. Uh, keep the conversation going. If you'd like further information on our nonprofit and the foundation, please head over to spreadhopelikefire.com. 
uh, for Spread Hope Like Fire, Stephanie Barba and Anthony Garcia. I'm Anthony Garcia. Remember, take care of those you love. Spread Hope Like Fire is a production of the Spread Hope Like Fire Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit. As always, I like to remind everybody the things that we discuss upon the podcast are not a substitute or a replacement for seeking treatment and getting professional help. If in fact you are struggling with your mental health, we urge you to please reach out to your community and see which professionals are accepting new clients and get that professional help and talking to that professional that you need. This show is intended as a educational and informational psychoeducation of the field of psychology. For Spread Hope Like Fire and Anthony G, I'm Anthony G and we will see you later.